G'day guys, we're all hanging on for dear life here as the COVID footy festival comes to a screaming halt after just 20 days. We're into round 12 here and with me to break down who is now currently the reigning premiership contender and what to make of some interesting games in the midweek section is the punters prophet himself, Big Bustling Baz. How are you doing mate on that couch in Elsinwick? Yeah, mate, it's good. The couch is good. Elsinwick Park's good. Worked the last few days as well with a bit of, you know, just a little bit of work and uh, the home gym setup's lovely as well, so... Looking forward to another weekend of footy, and then the uh, every the footy on every night stops after I think Monday, so that's a bit disappointing. But it is what it is, and keep kicking on. We've only got four weeks or four and a half weeks left of uh, stage four in Melbourne, so bring it on. Yes, sunnier, happier times ahead. But still plenty of football to talk about, so we'll get straight into it. Our first segment is always what just happened, the bad beats and big wins. And uh, let's look at two games this week, one from the top of the table and one from the bottom. So the top of the table clash, St Kilda, 4-10-34, was defeated by Geelong, 14-9-93. What do we have to say to St Kilda fans out there that got a two out of themselves, Baz? Because St Kilda got two out of themselves and they were embarrassed by Geelong midweek. I was a bit annoyed at myself, actually, because when I listened back to the podcast, I mentioned how Geelong will stop them from scoring at the back and not let them have their the game on their terms. But I still thought they'd have too much speed and uh, ball use to on the outside of Geelong. But then watching Geelong just defending so well and have stopped their scoring their scoring zone, which, as we know, it's you know, that directly in front, 15, 20 metres, yeah, a bit over the back sort of stuff. So... Once they did that and they didn't really have a, a target taking contested marks or being able to go to a plan B, they kind of um, couldn't score. And it reminded me of a lot of the Collingwood game. The, the pressure came on and they couldn't really uh, answer. So maybe they're not quite there yet and they're probably not quite there at all. So, you know, they're a good side. They're better than um, the bottom eight or nine, but they're probably not up to the top three or four. And with Geelong, they've had some a few young blokes come into the side and, and it really added something to the depth, their midfield depth, and giving them a different look. And, you know, the commentators did say as well the other day that, you know, they haven't relied on Dangerfield because he's playing much more forward time. But when they were getting beaten a bit in that second quarter, they did actually chuck him back into the midfield, just a bit of a plan B, I suppose. And it worked. Uh, they got things back on their terms and they went back forward again. So they've been more versatile. And Jonathan Brown stole something off my note last night. But um, Geelong not training and being at... Uh, op- or what is it, skilled stadium all the time it's probably helped them because they're not on that ground as much so yeah I've I, I said last week I think Geelong is starting to come into consideration and that's hard for me to say because as you know I've been against them a long time but maybe this year could be the year It looks that way and as you said they have a nice versatility now they used to be a team that really struggled on those wider grounds your Optus stadiums your, your Gabbers and now they seem to be a team that can play anywhere and it's working out well on both sides of the ball so those two stats that stand out from the game uh, against St Kilda is that absolutely dominated marks inside 50, 14 to 7. And then they clearly found good looks at goal, unlike St Kilda. So if you look at that zone, that 15-metre arc zone that St Kilda likes to score in, there's just nothing. There's not even a score in that section. They completely zoned them out, boxed them out. And conversely, they have plenty of scores themselves in that area. There's probably at least yeah 10 or so goals kicked from in that hot zone where accuracy is about 74%. So... Super good signs for Geelong. I'm a little bit concerned that that form line won't stack up coming into this game against Port Adelaide this week, though, because St Kilda, I think, aren't as good as what we thought they were pre-match. They're not quite in that, as you said, not quite in that top six bracket of teams that are contending this year. No, definitely. I, mean, I think uh, Port Adelaide are a lot more physical uh, pressure team, and they've got they've got 
they've got a four line that's really going to test Geelong's back line. They've got big, big blokes can take contested marks, bring the ball to ground. Um, they won't, they'll still zone off and stuff, but they probably can't zone off as much as what they, as they want to, because they're so much more dangerous um, and they're able to win their one-on-ones and Port Adelaide will back them in to do that. So I reckon that that's Port Adelaide will, will should, oh, we'll talk about it a bit later, but I think Port Adelaide will, will definitely show where we Geelong are at. If they can get over the line against Port Adelaide and they're primed for the beating Port Adelaide as well, because they've had um, a lot of back-to-back games off four and five day breaks as have Geelong as well. But I think, um, you know, Port are still missing a few players. Geelong are probably back to pretty much full strength apart from one or two. So if there was ever a game where Geelong probably win, it's this one, but I still think uh, Port will get it. And I think, yeah, Geelong still have their issues, I think, with their defence and maybe their ruck depth. They're, I'm still really, um, I think their centre clearance work is a bit dangerous. It's one of the worst ranked teams in the comp. So, um you know, it's something that Porto again have over them with Laddams and, and Lysette. So, yeah, I think Geelong are still, I reckon they're probably the third or fourth best team in it at the moment, but they've still got their, their uh, issues as well. The other game I want to talk about is a bottom of the table clash, which we saw last night. Gold Coast 11 7 77 drew with Essendon 11 7 77. Now, my question to you, Baz, is are Gold Coast a mid tier side? Or is Essendon a bottom six side? I think Essendon, obviously, they've got a lot of injuries and stuff, but I reckon they're, they're like Melbourne. They're, they're not a bottom four side and they're not a top eight side. They're just somewhere in the middle. They're not good enough to really challenge that. On their day, if they have everything go their way, like Essendon did against Collingwood, you know, they're good enough to beat the top sides. Um, not that Collingwood's top side anymore, but on that in that game, you would have thought Collingwood should have won. And Melbourne is what well. like both of them are just that those sorts of sides. Like it's where they're at. They've got big deficiencies in their list. Um, yeah, they've got some good young players, but they've got nothing really outstanding. And they're good players, you know, like Essen, Shield and Smith are good players, don't get me wrong, and so is McGrath, but they're so small. And, and Gold Coast I would have been up on the inside last night. And um, I reckon Gold Coast would be regretting tagging McGrath because he wasn't really hurting them. Um, and it changed the game a bit. It took away from their midfield. So, yeah, I think their midfield is not as strong as what everyone talks it up to be. Yeah, they're good on their, when it's going their way, but I don't reckon they're that good. And they they try and um, like score from the back half again last night. Like, they didn't really look dangerous scoring unless it was a turnover from uh, the forward 50 in Gold, Gold Coast end. So their pressure was good. That's probably one of the best pressure games I've seen Essendon play, um, apart from last week against Joe West. It was obviously wet and against Collingwood. It was a bit wet. But, um, yeah, I was just going to Essendon a mid-tier table. And Gold Coast, are on the, on the rise. So they're probably, you know, they're on their way up and they just need to fix a few little things, get a bit cleaner with their footy, be a bit better with their decision-making, um, you know, and... Yeah, they, they make one or two better decisions last night and they come away with a win instead of, um, you know, end up losing the game or drawing the game, really. So Gold Coast are definitely on the way up. They're going to be very, very good next year. But Essendon are going to be middle of the table until they decide to go back to the draft or recruit really well with some... They need a key forward and they probably need a, and a big-body midfielder, which, you know, probably on their radar. And I think they've spoken about it already as well. So. At least do something! Do! Don't think! Very interesting segue there, Baz. Again, love it when you read the uh, run sheet. Our second segment is Coach's Corner. And I have a question for you based around what you just said there for Essendon. So there's a plethora of sides now that are stuck on four wins. And it came out in the uh, Western Australia yesterday. A couple of the stat crunches suggested that eight wins gets you into the finals this year. 
with most teams having around about seven games to play. So my question for you, if you were a coach of a football side that's sitting on four wins, let's say a Hawthorne or an Essendon, do you run the gauntlet and try and win four from seven this year and do whatever you can to do that and make it happen? Or do you start prepping for 2021 knowing that you're probably not going to go deep into finals this year? I think you got to be careful because of the hub. Um, you really want to be careful with how you go about, you want to keep the players interested and, and, and cause they could, their interest could drop away very, very quickly with the hub situation. Knowing they're going to come back to Melbourne and probably do some ISO, um, you know, they're away from now their families now have joined them, but you know, it's not really ideal living situation and stuff like that. It, they could, it could really um, affect your team long-term. So I think they're just going to be very, very careful with, with how they do that. Um, but you, you want to win. You want to keep winning. That's how you build culture. And I, 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 Ross, Ross Lyons said something very interesting on footy classified. I don't watch footy classified anymore because it's lost its pizzazz. But uh, I saw a little clip of Ross Lyons saying... That- There's been a nature documentary, Africa, Asia, Elephant Herds. Africa overpopulated. They did. They culled the bull elephants. And they, they culled them... And then what happened? The juvenile elephants had no role models. They never knew how to behave. They were terrorising villages. The they went to Asia. When he got the bull elephants, put them back in. Everything we order was restored. They taught the young elephants how to be an elephant. But <laughs> AFL footballs are no different. There's been clubs. If you don't have senior role models totally. to bring you through, you can laugh. But they no no. I'm it'd be like <laughs> here putting me in charge without you three. It'd be a disaster. <laughs> so you need experience and role models. So I think you still got to go about each game winning and try and do the best you can. But I I'll be resting a few blokes that are maybe a bit bit uh, bit sore and, and and maybe try a few players in different positions and see what they actually got and see what you got in your list. But at the same time, you still want to be going out there winning. So. And also around the draft this year, is it, would there be a risk in not tanking, but you know, looking forward to twenty twenty one? Given that the Naples League won't play this year, and most state leagues aren't playing, so do you think that it's a bad year to go and lean into the draft, or are good kids always going to be good kids, and you should pick them up when you can? Well, yeah, good kids will be good kids. You should always pick them up, especially if they're talented and they're good footballers. They got uh, good pedigree. I mean, you see a lot of these kids a lot now from sixteen playing in the pathways sort of stuff until they're you know drafted. But for me, the this year's problem is a lot of it's um, it's a big compromised draft. So what, there's, I think there's 17 of the top 30 or 17 of the top 40 players are linked to academies or father-sons. And then don't don't forget, you've got Gold Coast are getting draft concessions this year again. Um, and then you've got teams like North Melbourne have two first-round picks. So teams like Melbourne don't have a first-round pick. I don't, I don't know if they've got a second-round pick at all either. But uh, And then you've got, I, I think, you know, I don't know where Essendon are placed with the draft as well, but... Yeah, it's gonna be. Um, it's probably not the best year to go to the draft, to be honest. Unless you're gonna trade and get into the draft somehow, but this year is probably not the best year to go into the draft. But you take what you can. So. All right, one final thing to tick off before we get into our round twelve previews, and that's a market update because the premiership markets here are very interesting for, from a punting perspective. So. Not many big movers in that top four. West Coast has slid out to five dollars. The rest of remain steady with Richmond at six, Brisbane at seven, and Port at seven. Are we still buying in at, at Port and Brisbane at seven dollars and seven dollars fifty? Uh yeah, I've taken I've had another nibble at both of them, but I've also taken them into Lockinier to win the Brownlow because that's a multi. That's an absolute multi Lockinier winning the Brownlow. So um 
yeah, I've just left those alone. I've had a little nibble at Geelong as well, but everything else uh, is too short. Richmond and West Coast won't win it anyway, so um, that's that's me. So There you go. How big was nibble though, Baz? Because the market for Geelong shifted from 15s to 11s. That's a big nibble, mate. That's a big old big old bite. Maybe maybe there's a few more than myself that had the nibble. So. Well, if they've been listening <laughs> to this podcast, they definitely would have picked up on Geelong being a bit of a, a riser. But, yes, at the moment it looks to be those would be the four for mine. So Port Adelaide, Geelong, Brisbane and Richmond. And then from there, I've still got West Coast outside. I've still got Collingwood outside the top four and I've still got GDOS outside the top four and St Kilda. I am off St Kilda. St Kilda are basically in the Melbourne camp for me. I will never back St Kilda for the rest of this season because after going all in with them against Geelong and letting me down like that, listeners, long-term listeners of the podcast know that I don't take bad beats like that very well. So St Kilda's in the dog box now for sure. Because like it's secure if they lose one or two more games and they've got a pretty I mean they've got a decent run the next couple of weeks they could they could miss the eight. Yep, and it'd be a really really <laughs> classic saint things to do, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd enjoy it. Let's crack into our round twelve previews. We've got a couple of good games and a fair few tip and forgets this week, in my opinion. But we'll start with the frontline match, the heavyweight fight. Friday, seven fifty, Geelong are two dollar fifteen outsiders against Port Adelaide, a dollar seventy one favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is a goal. The over under one twenty eight. And as we mentioned in the prelude to this, Port is coming off a fair few dog fights, whereas Geelong. Cruise through that St Kilda game last week. Who do you think's got the better form coming into this game based on their previous matches? Oh, definitely um, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide, have, you know, they're, they're the form team at the moment. They're, I just worry that they they might have peaked a little bit too early maybe, but you, I think their philosophy is just keep going and whatever happens, happens sort of thing. Like they're not going to make any excuses. They don't want to rest players. Um, they don't want to be seen to be doing anything different. They just want to be going about it as it, it is what it is in that sort of mantra. So they want to keep winning. They want the respect and they just want to go out there and play footy and enjoy it and enjoy themselves. So, you know, those young kids apparently just love footy and, and live and breathe it. And you got blokes like Charlie Dixon who just rather be with his cars, but loves being with the boys on a Saturday or a Friday night and having a kick of the, of the pigskin. So I just love how Port Adelaide are going about it. They're, they're going to play quickly. They're going to take the game on. They need to go through the centre. Geelong are probably one of the better coach sides for that sort of stuff, um, defensively setting up and then trying to score the other way. But I, I'll be very surprised if Kenny Inkley hasn't sort like sort out a few little things. And I just think that yeah, they contested marking stuff and they're, they're bringing the ball to ground and their smalls are just very silky, very quick. Um, and I, I just don't see how their midfield is going to get on top of all like very big, tough midfield. Like, so it means that Dana field and that have to go back through this for me. And that's going to test them going forward. Like I know how, I know how good Tom, Tom Hawkins, by the way, I don't think there's a better forward Ruckman that takes uh, boundary throw-ins or even uh, forward half, like especially in the forward 50 Ruckman than Tom Hawkins. He is so smart at, at those sort of, you watch how many times he sets up goals when he does the ruck work inside forward 50, which are long. He's unbelievable with his, his body work. He grabs out of the ruck a lot. Uh, he's, he's, he's having an unbelievable year. And I, I've always been a cat basher, I know, but I've, I've kind of turned my tables a bit this year. And um, I still don't want Paddy to win a flag, but I'm happy for someone like Tommy Hawkins. I suppose he's already won a couple, but 
yeah, I just think I'm still going with Port Adelaide. I think they're a better team at the moment. They're travelling well, and I think got, their game style will be too hard for Geelong to defend and with their with their style. So, so you're talking about Geelong giving up the midfield, and that's pretty much true, especially at the centre bounce areas. Port's dominating that, as you said. Big balls on the inside are, are getting them easy looks inside fifty. The two concerns probably is one: do we does Port Adelaide need to tidy up its inside fifty? Uh, conversion rates and goal kicking accuracy to have to make sure that when they go forward they can capitalize on momentum. And the second one being the reverse is that do they have a defense that can actually stifle Geelong's accuracy inside 50? Because as you said, blokes like Tom Hawkins are having a great year. They've got a plethora of other guys and other smalls that chip in and kick goals and they're quite an accurate and efficient team inside 50. So last year, Port Adelaide were number one or number two, or I think it was maybe top three in most of these, but definitely one and two in a lot of them in inside 50s and all that sort of stuff, forward pressure, um, all that. They were number one like or two in, my, in all those facets. What Where it let them down was they were, they were ranked last with conversion and scoring shots and all that sort of stuff from in their inside 50s and all that. So this year they're number four. So they're one of the better teams at it. Um, and, that's, and we've seen that from Gannett. They do leak goals at the back sometimes uh, because they push really high up and defend really, really high in, in their forward line which we saw last night, Gold Coast do, and it's, it can be very, very effective, especially with their fall. And I said, Charlie Dixon stuff, they'll keep putting in the hot spot and keep contesting and just tying the ball up. Geelong might be able to score on the quick breaks, but Geelong don't score like that. They, they generally take it nice and slow and kick a bit more and, and work their way through and down the ground. They can go on the fast break, but they're generally a slow ball moving side. So I just think that the way that the team set up, if, if Port Adelaide can get their, get their game going, especially on the inside, they'll keep the taps not in nice and close so you know the big balls can go to work and get on the outside the Butters and, and uh, Duzma and Amon and those sorts of guys. I just think they're just going to be too good around the stoppages and once the ball's in their forward line, it's not coming out very easily. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing happening and that's what I'm counting on happening for Port tonight or Friday night. Yeah. And even little things like against Richmond, Port had – plus 31 in inside 50s. So even if they are a little bit inaccurate in comparison to Geelong, they should have that weight of entries to yeah to make up for any any uh, inconsistencies or in, inaccuracy. The other thing would be an advantage, if yeah. Geelong wants to play that slow game, Port is now leading the uh, disposal differentials per game as well. So they're actually a high possession team with high pace. So it becomes very hard to play that slow down tempo football if you can't get the football yourself. You have to go in and chase it. That burns up your energy and then makes you want to play quicker football to make some scoreboard impact. So if they are going to play their, their two styles as they normally would, I think Port has the advantage here. And so you kind of have to lean towards Port, despite the fact that Geelong has the history over them, despite the fact Geelong's probably a little bit fresher. But I think, as you said, that mantra that we're going to win every game basically the whole way through that season and Ken Hinckley's telling his boys, let's make sure there's no excuses. It's a really good sign of Port, I think, yeah. And Green's here and definitely going to tip Port this week. Although I was thinking about tipping Geelong, but then I learnt from my last Port game, you've backed them all year, keep on backing them in until they get to September. Just keep, just keep riding that wave, mate. Just keep riding that wave. It's a good wave to be riding at the moment. The next batch of games are our 50-50 matchups, which should be interesting watches this weekend. And the first of which involves your boys, Saturday 5-10, Melbourne are $1.90, Collingwood are $1.90. It's at the Gabba, and the over-under here is 101.5. Now, Baz, you've been chirping in the chat all week telling us how nervous you are and how much Melbourne's definitely going to beat you. This is obviously the reverse Moz in full effect, isn't it? No, no, mate. Look at 
look at the form lines and look at how our, t- our team is stacked up at the moment. We're one of the youngest teams, one of the most inexperienced teams. You take, I think if you took out Dunn on the weekend and um, there's one other player, a side bottom from our team, we would have been the youngest and the most inexperienced team in the, in the, in the league on the weekend. I think people underestimate that about our, about our side and uh, it doesn't really get spoken a lot because they're too busy talking up Melbourne and Essendon. But, um, you know, shout out to Johnny Ralph for his little article telling Essendon and you're kidding yourself. Um, if any team had their best six missing, um, they'd be better than what they've played right now. And anyway, that's probably going off a bit. But anyway, um, yeah. And look, we've got, our, we've got our top five players missing pretty much. We're inexperienced getting kids, uh, games in the young kids and games you know, blokes haven't played for nearly two years. We're just not – we don't really have a lot of uh, confidence, I think, going forward as well. We're a bit a bit hesitant. Our ball movement's a bit stagnant. Although we did start taking it on a bit more in that second half against Adelaide, but again, it was against Adelaide. And, we, and if they'd have taken their chances, it would have been a different game as well. Um, Melbourne, uh, uh, you know, they've beaten Adelaide North Melbourne. Apparently, they're back to premiership favourites. So – just depends on who you want to believe. Um, you know, good, 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 good little video on their Twitter page. You know, of uh, Simon Goodwin and you know coming back from you know Doomsday, which you know you beat North Melbourne LA boys. But just anyway, you're about to cop us with a big injury list, um, not playing good footy. And if you're any good as what you think you are, Melbourne, you should come out and beat us this weekend. And uh, they put up two dollars thirty early markets for Melbourne. And uh, if you got on that, good on you because now the markets are even. So. Melbourne should be beating us if they're any good and they want to talk it up, then that's fine. But uh, good luck to them. So that's what Melbourne should be doing if they're any good, Baz. But you and I both agree that Melbourne aren't that good. So you're obviously tipping Collingwood this week. No, I'm tipping to Melbourne because Collingwood aren't travelling well. We've got too many injuries. Um, Melbourne have got you know some players that are running hot. Petrarca, um, you know, Clayton Oliver apparently is apparently a Brownlow medal favourite. Um, and they got the best forward in the comp in Wiedemann. So, yeah, I listened to Jared Healy and, and, and Gary Lyon on, on the weekend. You know, Melbourne are, Melbourne are pushing for finals and probably should make the eight and almost win it. So they should definitely be, be knocking us off this week. And, uh, yeah, I'm tipping Melbourne. All right. There you go. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, Max Gorn may not be playing this game. So there are, there goes Brody Grundy for the uh, rock dominance. There goes some uh, midfield excellence there when we got guys like Taylor Adams still playing. Get enough small goal kickers going forward to kick a little bit of a score. And more importantly, no, you keep games, really. you keep teams to, to lowish scores. So you kept Sydney to 41, you kept Fremantle to 61, you kept Adelaide to 38. I still reckon you got enough to beat Melbourne here and uh, – Good on those people for bringing in from two thirty into dollar ninety for Melbourne, which means I get to take Collingwood at a dollar ninety, and I get to whip out my favourite bet. But I'll get to that in the feature bet. So last chance, Baz, you picking Collingwood or Melbourne? No, I'll tell you, Tom McDonald's playing. He apparently played his best game for two years in the ruck last week. So, um, you know, he's going to take Grundy to the cleaners, and um, you know they're going to they're going to knock us off there too. But we're still. We, we might get Jamie Elliott back. We might get Hoskin Elliott back, but we definitely won't be getting Adam Trelaw back. Uh, Penelbury probably won't be back. So it's only Hoskin Elliott and um, Elliott that might come back in. But, um, you know, Melbourne's still a very good side. They've probably got Viney coming back. They, yeah, they won't have gone, but you know, they've got Tom McDonald. And I just think, yeah, you know, Melbourne, are, like I said, you listen to the, the Melbourne pundits on, on uh, Plaudit or pundits, what do they call them? The... Um, commentary teams and the experts on, on Fox footy and their flag favourites. So 
They should get the job done here against Collingwood. I love the hate tip when I see it. So uh, I'm going to have to put that one down. Next game, Saturday, 8-10. Fremantle are $2 outsiders. Carlton $1.90 favourites at Optus Stadium. The line here is 2.5. The over-under, 105. Now, we've we've kind of rated Fremantle all year, saying that they're a lot better than what their odds and their ladder position uh, suggests. But we also have bought into Carlton's exciting game style. And some people that we uh, socialise with suggest that Carlton is the most exciting team in the comp. So uh, which way are you leading for this game? I don't reckon Carlton are the most exciting team in the comp. I think Gold Coast and Freo are ahead of them at the moment. Actually, I, I, I was pretty buoyant on Carlton. I still think they'll be a good side the next few years and they'll make finals and that. But I think Fremantle's gone ahead of them. So you look at this midfield of Rayshaw, Sarah, Sarong, who are you know in their first couple of years of football and they're exciting. They're starting to understand it and going really, really well. Um, then, you, then you add in your likes of Fife and Mundy and... You know, Conquer does that as well. And you got the back line of Ryan and, and even um, Cox and just, I think they've got some really young, good talent. They've, do, they've done a really good list build at the moment. Um, and obviously you've got Rory Lobb and um, big Sean Darcy doing the rock work. And, you know, Hogan might be coming back, but apparently he's going to play down back if he comes back, which would be an interesting little change because they've got, they're very, very good down there, down their back line. Um, intercept marks, they're good with their ball. Yes, Walters is still to come back in. I don't know if he's back this week. But, um, yeah, Walters is, is to return. So, and so, and Blakely got um, cleared of a shoulder injury. So, you know, that's they're looking pretty good at the moment. Um, Freo and, and Carlton will be probably missing Martin McCubbin, McGovern and uh, Cunningham as well. So, I, I'm tipping Freeman. The last couple of weeks have been really good, and I can't. You can't not tip them on their form the last two weeks for me. Yeah, hard to argue. Other than I suppose there's a little bit of that Vic bias in the in the media because the moment you wouldn't hear much about Freo and they're languishing below below Carlton, whereas Carlton had that more competitive start to the season, and everyone's banking that and playing a bit more off, I suppose, cachet or a bit more off uh, what Carlton could be or should be versus what they actually are at the moment. So. I'm, I was very keen at when this market opened at two dollars to get behind Freo as well, and as we said, we've, we've been running Freo all year. You know what you're going to get with Freo; they've been performing each week, and even if they don't win, they bring out a consistent effort. Whereas you compare that to Carlton, who seem to get into a position where they could put a team away, leave the door open, and make it a very difficult watch for those that are either barracking or putting some cash behind Carlton. You, you know, every time you play against Carlton, doesn't matter how many goals they get out in front. You're still in the game if you stick to your structures because they'll give you a sniff. So yeah, I just reckon it's gonna be a good contest, but I'm backing in uh, Freo to, to be just too good again. The only problem I can see with Freo is they might struggle to score, but um, you know Tabitha's been going well and their little four lines have been going well as well. So I just I was backing them to get the job done, and uh, yeah, I think Fremantle are, are going pretty pretty well, and they're going to be again. There's a lot of good teams coming up over the next year, probably next 12 months. So Gold Coast, Fremantle, you know, St Kilda and stuff. So it just keeps other teams on their toes as well. So it's, it's good for the competition as well, I suppose. Saturday, 8-10, St Kilda are $1.42 favourites against Essendon, $2.79 outsiders. They're playing at the Gabba. The line here is two goals. The over-under is one thirty-three. And Baz, convinced me not to hate tip against St Kilda after that despicable performance last round. Well, we saw last night Essendon uh, were a bit flat. Uh, they struggled... If it wasn't for Stewart, like they would have really struggled going forward. And and Zara Arkas, who kicked three goals, has done his quad, so he's out. Um, and there's just a lot of players in their, on their team, on their 
the team at the moment who aren't really being effective. And even, you know, McGrath, I love him. He's a great player, but, you know, he gets a lot of the footy, but does he do a lot with it? Is he damaging? That's why I was surprised that they allowed Took Miller to tag him last night. I think they took a bit away, and they spoke about it after the game as well. Um, and, you know, that, they... They keep making excuses about, you know, how many blokes they're missing and how how good they could be if they had their full team. But, you know, as, as I said the last few weeks, the, everyone's in the same boat, so you, you shouldn't be making excuses. Like, it's almost giving your team an out. They had, a, they had a lead. They dominated the second half and still couldn't put away the Gold Coast Suns. And even when they went a goal up with five minutes to go, they, they didn't deserve to win the game really in the end. So I can't see them beating St Kilda, who will want to bounce back hard. Um Brett Ratton has a good little philosophy. If they lose, it's okay. It's not the end of the world, but they've got to learn from it. Um, so they would have learned from last week and they'd be bouncing back harder, I reckon, against Essendon this week and making a big statement. So I would be expecting the Saints to win and to win quite comfortably. I don't know about comfortably because I just don't have any any belief now in Secure to be a trustworthy team. But I do agree that they are far better than than the Bombers. And even on that, even on that, those form lines, I think – Getting beat up so bad by Geelong means that it wasn't actually like a tough fight. Not not coming out of that game tired, whereas Essendon are coming out of that fight with with the Gold Coast quite worn out and on a shorter time frame. So even history here is in favour with the Saints. So they've won four of their last six against the Bombers and they won their encounter last year as well. So progression-wise, St Kilda are still ahead of Essendon, even though I'll have to tip them against my my rule of never backing a team that scorns me midway through the year. But yes, you and I will both be ticking, tipping St Kilda this week. Now we get into the uh, the back half of the card here and it's not as pretty reading. All these games are what I consider tip and forget games. So it starts tonight, 8-10. Sydney are $3.75 outsiders against GDUS. They're $1.28 favourites at Optus Stadium. The line here is 20 points over under 122. Now all the sheen is rubbed off GWS. But uh, if you ever wanted a team to kind of beat up on to get back into form, I think Sydney is it. We know that Sydney will offer something. We know that Sydney are pretty plucky. We know that John Longmire know, knows what's going on and will attack the football and attack going down the middle. But uh, there's nothing much here to offer in terms of the Swans causing upset, is there? Uh, no, I think that uh, – and GWS have always matched up and always tested Sydney as well, even when they were the poor side that used to um, not quite be up to it against um, – you know, back in the days when they were forming. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, tipping GLUS here to get the job done. Although, they, I think they're missing Phil Davis um, this week, but I still think they're going to be too good and get, they'll get the job done. Um, Sydney will be plucky. They'll be competitive, but they're just missing too many. They're too young. They're, they're building nice as well. Sydney's another team that next year, if they can get a few senior players back, um, fit and well, like Buddy and, and, and Kennedy and, uh, keep progressing their list. And they also are going to pick up some pretty good kids out of the draft. I think from father, son and academy players, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head. So they're definitely, and they're attacking, they're playing a lot more attacking football, a lot more corridor orientated footy, uh, taking the game on a lot more, not so dour. So it'd be a good game to watch because GWS have been a bit dour and a bit boring. So, you know, Sydney might shock them a bit early and you never know, it might come be a bit closer than what people think, but JWS should just have enough class to get over the top and just grind out another win in what looks to be another disappointing season for JWS, I think. And they're only averaging 68 points a game so far this season, JWS. So that alone is enough of a concern to say this game will be a lot closer than uh, what it would normally be uh, in JWS seasons past. But uh, I think the tip there is still 
to pick the Giants. Saturday, 2.35, North Melbourne are $5.50 outsiders against Brisbane, $1.14 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is 28 points. The over-under is 116. And North Melbourne have lost yep. eight of their last nine. Just, so we're just going to leave it there and say just, pick Brisbane. Pick Brisbane and forget about it because if they dish up football, they dished up last week, North Melbourne, they're even more irrelevant than they ever have been. That's pretty irrelevant because we used to never name them on the pod. So Yeah, mate, that, that was disgusting. Um, and, yeah, Brisbane, if Brisbane don't win, then there should be a royal inquest. Well, um, last time I checked, Damon Oliver doesn't play for Brisbane, so I think we should be safe there. <laughs> Moving swiftly along to another game that might be a very shuffle. short preview. <laughs> Sunday, 105. Doggies are $1.13 favourites. Adelaide, $5.75 outsiders at Metricon Stadium as well. The line here is six goals. The over-under, 128. Is this the week the Crows get their first win, Baz? Yes or no? No, nah, no, nah, not this week. But uh, I'll tell you what, they're a lot better to watch than North and uh, they'll be good for probably two, maybe three quarters, but Doggies will get the job done. And Doggies will probably... This is the sort of game the Doggies beat up on someone. So I'd be looking at plus 40 for the Doggies and that's about it. And just leave. Let, don't, don't even probably watch it. Uh, what's the over-under on Doggies being crowned premiership favourites after beating Adelaide by 60 points? Well, it, it was Melbourne, they would be, but um, it's not the Doggies. So, But I can guarantee you there'll be an article about the Doggies being back and their style's back and, you know, they're a threat again. But they're not quite Melbourne yet, the Doggies. They're not quite Melbourne arrested in the um, – they have a win or have a good game and the uh, experts at Fox Footy and Channel 7 all of a sudden get – Get right and Herald Sun get writing articles about how they can be a premiership contender. It's all about the clicks and the fans when it comes to those articles. So until the doggies get a big enough fan base, they won't be getting that treatment. Rolling straight on then to Sunday, six ten West Coast are a dollar fourteen favourites against Hawthorne, five dollar fifty outsiders. Optus Oval is the way that we played. Uh, twenty six points is the line here. The over under is one thirteen, and the Eagles are storming to the top four thanks to a six match winning streak. If they win this. Will they be flag favourites? Should they be tailing up the Hawks, Baz? I'm still not sold on them, to be honest, but they're getting the job done. And, um, you know, if they get the umpiring they did last week, then they'll definitely get the job done. But, uh, yeah, they'll be too good. Hawthorne, Hawthorne stink. Hawthorne will finish bottom three. Um, Adelaide's only game they can possibly win this year will be against Hawthorne. Dire times here. So two questions relating to this game. Is it going to be post-game? If Hawthorne get properly beaten up, so West Coast versus Collingwood style, big goals, 10 goals plus. One, will Clarko declare football dead in his press conference? And two, which club will Clarko be rumoured to go to in the uh, Monday wrap in the newspaper? Melbourne. You heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. In the final game of round 12, Monday night at 7.10. Richmond are twenty-six favourites. Gold Coast, $3.75 outsiders at the Gabba. The Tigers got beaten up by Port Adelaide last round, but will they bounce back against Gold Coast and maintain their position in the top four of Premiership favouritism, Baz? Yeah, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip Richmond. I'm pretty confident Richmond will win. But I do have – this is the one game the old Baz gut feels like this could be the upset game of the round. But I'm, I'm tipping Richmond. I think Richmond should win. They're gonna, uh, they got to – I have to keep winning, really. There's only – what, six games or five games to go. They want to finish top four. They've got some players come back from injury. I don't know if they're coming back this week. But they, they get, you know, the Suns are off a short break. So you, you'd expect Richmond to get the job done. But I just have a funny feeling that Gold Coast have lost, what, four games with under a kick this year. 
Um, a bit more plucky and a bit more steel about them than usual. And they probably might get themselves up for this game, wanting to knock off a big scalp before the season's over. And they've probably got the opportunity this week to do so. And I think a few of these young kids that they've got in their team, that they really love the big challenges and want to take and want the moment in their games. And I know there was a bit of shit cop towards uh, or thrown towards Rank- Rankin last night from his Tatey's mark. But what he did was actually smart. And what you'd want a young footballer to do, he took the mark. Yes, he turned his back, but what he was doing was making sure that Essendon had no chance of winning the game. There was 40 seconds to go. He turned his back on, on yes, turned his back on goal to so you have a, a shot. He knew that Essendon had all their numbers back there. They also set up down the other side that if they got the footy out, they were going straight down. They'll, they'll try and score. Um, so what he did was he took 15, 20 seconds off the clock, which meant that the ball was in the inside there, 50 for the last 20, 25 seconds. They were the only team that was possible to win. Yes, he didn't kick the kick. He probably should have kicked it closer to the goal line or closer towards goals. But, you know, even from there, they had two opportunities, Gold Coast to get the ball over the line. And, you know, Alice probably should have taken the kick first time, even if you put it to the top of the square. Um, I think it was Lemons who got caught tackling instead of giving the handball. Probably should have been holding the ball, to be fair. So, yeah, they didn't execute it well, but... Everything they did then just screamed of like that's composure, footy smarts, and even Kinney before that. That goal he kicked and then that mark he took, and you know, yes, he didn't kick it, but just shows that they're, they're there for the moment, they're up for the fight, and they're building something down there. And I just wouldn't be surprised if they made this a bit closer than what we might actually uh, believe. But I, I'd expect Richmond to win after a 10 day break. Like I said, they need to keep baking up the wins to make the top four. Um, and they generally have a good record against Gold Coast as well, especially they, they generally t- tend to touch them up. The stats back you up there, Baz, with the uh, touch-up. So last time uh, they met, they were subjected to a 150 to 58 demolition. I don't think that will happen this year, but I also can't be sure of picking the Suns in an upset against Richmond because as they showed against the Bombers, they do lack that composure and just that little bit extra experience to make the right decision. As you said, Rankin made – made the right decision in general, but wasn't able to execute to get the win. And I think those little things will cost you against a team like Richmond, who's won two premierships in three years and been funnels in the last three years. So I think little things like that make it, it should be a comfortable win for Richmond because when those mistakes happen, they will capitalise. But yes, I think Gold Coast are a, a plucky up-and-comer that can challenge the the champion, but I, I'm not sensing an upset here at all. <laughs> everyone's favourite segment, money-making time, our feature bets for round 12. What's your value bet now, Baz? Uh, my value bet and what I'll be rolling with personally, as you know, I've been hammering my little prop bets lately. I do like them because there's a bit of history and a bit of stats behind them. So um, I'm taking Caleb Sarong to get 15 or more disposals, Carl Amon to get 15 or more disposals, Adam Serra to get 15 or more disposals, Jackson McRae to get 25 or more disposals, Robbie Gray, anytime goal scorer, and that gets you $4.90. It keeps you entertained across the whole weekend. I'm going back to the well for if I think Collingwood are going to win a game of football, they're obviously going to win it in one way and one way only. That is win the first quarter, take the game under the points total, win the game head-to-head. That's an in-game multi, and it's paying $5.25. And uh, you've had some interesting value bets there, Baz. What's your roughie for the action this weekend? Uh, roughie... I don't really have a rough year. I reckon I've, you know, the five, obviously the five head to heads about $2.80. The five league multi there as well as $4.90. 
maybe just uh, add port or um, or throw to that five leg player prop multi, and you get about ten bucks. But yeah, look, I'd be uh, I'm pretty happy with where where I'm at at the moment with my punting. So mine, I call this one the Good Watch Games. So Port Adelaide to win, Collingwood to win, Fremantle to win, and St Kilda to win. That's paying $10.51. And they are the four games you should be watching for maximum entertainment this weekend. All right, that brings us to the end of our Round 12 preview. If you have any tips or picks that we haven't mentioned on the pod, let us know on Twitter. That's at W-A-T-O-S pod or what are the odds pod. And uh, if we happen to help you back a winner this weekend, jump on uh, your podcast review, chuck us a cheeky five stars, and leave a comment letting us know that we've been helping you out this footy season and during the uh, COVID crisis. And uh, until next week, stay safe and enjoy the footy.